Before we get to this week's Solo Shot episode, I'd like to ask if you would please take a minute to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to us. Remember, you can find us both on Fandible or our own dedicated Solo Shot feed. Thanks for listening to the Solo Shot. It's a meeting of the minds on the Howling Gundark as Castian and the mystifying Imperial Captain Liam Nabarro exchange secrets, threats, and plans. The Howling Gundark has a new passenger, Captain Liam Nabarro. His most recent affiliation is with the Empire. His current affiliation is unknown, as he is on Laris's ship. But he is there because he wants to talk with you more. Castian has left him in the galley with the company of Skitter. Skitter has been given orders that if there's any sign that this man is doing anything that he shouldn't, he is to immediately call Castian. It would be my honor to serve at your behest, sir. You will not regret it, sir. Castian's regretting it. But Castian's up in the cockpit with Laris, just watching her fly the Howling Gundark off a of Delea. Sneaking, really using the command codes given to her by Liam. And without incident, you make the jump to hyperspace. Captain Nabarro did note that these codes were also being used by the transport ship of his stormtroopers, who are going to the same secret location as you are. Castian looks back towards the door leading to the galley before letting out a tired sigh. What do you make of Captain Nabarro? Captain Nabarro is someone who has served without interest in the Imperial Navy for quite some time. I have done some looking into the databases that we still have access to, and have found no glowing commendations, but also no glaring demerits against him. Where was he last posted? The last that I was able to find was Corellia. Hmm. Okay, well that is a little bit surprising. He seemed a little bit more... I suppose, put together than a grunt who would be working on Corellia, but... He is a captain, after all. True. Just definitely seems odd. Do you know where these uh, hyperspace coordinates are leading us to, the ones he gave you? We appear to be on our way to a nondescript section of the Damar Sector. Damar Sector? That's a pretty dead zone itself. Indeed. Is that not where you would want to go if you were planning a mutiny against the Empire? Really, it perhaps is something that we should have considered a long time ago. Well, the Mars sector doesn't even have any planets that you can land on. It is a truly dead sector. Ironic choice. True. Without the Leia, I suppose this system would be dead. And Castian lowers his eyes as, again, the weight of Alderaan being destroyed is still very heavy on his shoulders. Castian? Yes. Are you well? Alas. I don't think I will be well. I don't know how I'm going to... And Castian pauses as he looks out at the hyperspace tunnel that they're sailing through. I feel like there's a part of me that's empty now. But worse, I feel there is a part of me that wants to fill it with the dark side. I was just so thirsty for... Not even vengeance while inside the consulate. As soon as I found out that Cerise Nabella was... gone, 
I just wanted to make everyone feel worse than me. And I, I don't know... I don't know what I'm mourning now. The idea that I lost someone who I love with all of my heart. Or the fact that my training didn't mean anything. That moment I needed it, I just let it go because I, I just couldn't focus. And now I have a, a, an Imperial captain on my ship and I have a, a bunch of stormtroopers possibly heading off towards the same dead sector, and I have you, who I keep on thinking, I need to talk to Laris to make sure she's safe because you are so important to me and you've just gone through a horrifically scary situation yourself with a surgery. And I'm just trying to go through the motions. I can't decide what on the list should come first. And so I'm just stumbling. I'm stumbling, and when I stumble, I, I know I always end up in the dark. <laughs> but how are you? <laughs> I am recovering. It is a strange sensation. It is easy to become overwhelmed. It is easy to lose track of one's thoughts. It is disconcerting. I will be well. You will be. You're a strong person, Laris. And he reaches out and he just squeezes her shoulder. Laris holds your hand on top of her shoulder. You are too, sir. Castian swallows and just nods his head. I will speak with the captain and see what he wants to speak about. He has access to the ship's systems in order to analyze some of the information that Galnuri Tand gave him. I believe it is of interest to you. Yes. Well, keep an eye, make sure he doesn't access anything. He shouldn't be. And do not unlock the cargo bay for him. I don't want him to see what we have stored in there. That TIE fighter holds quite a bit of information that I'm sure he'd be interested in getting. Of course. And Castian's going to turn away and head out to the galley. When you enter the galley, Captain Nabarro has his back to you, and he doesn't turn around in any sort of recognition. He's sitting at the table in front of a hollow projector, which seems to be showing some sort of spatial telemetry in front of him, and it has his complete focus. Castian's going to try to sneak up on him, just to try to catch a glimpse of what he's looking at before he turns around. Give me a stealth roll. This is going to be hard. It is two reds and one purple, plus one setback die. And can I have a bonus die since this is my ship. Well, it's Laris's ship, but I know which floor grates to avoid, things like that. I'm familiar with the territory. I'll allow it. I actually got no success, no failure. While you're certainly quiet coming into the galley, this guy isn't a captain in the Imperial Navy for nothing. He still doesn't turn around. He lifts his chin towards his shoulder to throw his voice back towards you. Castian, I'm so glad that you came. I want you to see this. You know, what is it? And Castian's going to walk up next to him, uh, not taking a seat, just standing behind him as he looks over at the projection. Captain Nabarro points at it. This. This is something very interesting that our friend Ms. Tand brought to us. She has her own copy. I'm sure she has her own plans for it. But this... This confirms everything we've known. 
Everything we've known but could not prove. And what is it that you know? Captain Nabarro replays the telemetry over and over again. It's a very short loop. As Captain Nabarro plays it again, you see some data flash. You see timestamps. You recognize that. But most of what you're seeing, it's either passing too fast or just has no context for you to grasp what you're looking at. Can I roll a astrogation to try to figure out? Yes, I'll allow that. A difficulty? This is just going to be hard. No upgrades. So three purple. I got one success. I'm very surprised. But I got two threats. With one success, you can tell the date range that this is analyzing. It's ten days ago. Captain, I'm not fully understanding what I'm seeing here. It looks like this was a readout from ten days ago. What is this telemetry of? This telemetry shows the Alderaan system 10 days ago. Okay, I I see right here, there's green letters, green numbers, green numbers, and then there's this red marker that just appears here. Watch, watch that red marker. Now, you see that appear in the system. Ah, it's a proximity. That's not supposed to be there. Is Is that correct? Correct. And look at the time. And he points to the timestamp. And look at the number next to it. This thing's massive. It's it's not a comet. It's a it's a moon. That is no moon. What moon appears out of nowhere moments before a planet is destroyed? Casting continues watching, and then he mumbles, and what moon disappears as soon as a planet is destroyed? You see. You see it. I knew you would. You are a clever man, Castian. You had to be to survive out here. This is delay... Gaunary Tan, while we were looking for the hostages, she went out and got the telemetry from Delea's satellites. This is what they've been trying to hide, the the, the proof that something entered the system, but you said, you, you told me that you knew something, but you could not confirm it. What did, What is this? What? What am I seeing? What is this... What is this moon? Some of us knew that a super weapon was in development by the Empire. Troopers talk. They like to try to one-up each other with stories that make them look better than their compatriots, that they have been assigned to more prestigious bases. But none of it could be confirmed. No one had actually served in the construction of such a superweapon, but I knew there was more to it. It was not just locker room talk amongst the troops, and this is the confirmation that it was real. They would brag that it is the sort of weapon that could destroy a fleet in moments, the sort that could eliminate an entire planet's worth of defenses, but no, it could eliminate an entire planet. And that is what they did to Alderaan. Castian takes that seat now. So what are we supposed to do with a weapon that can destroy an entire planet? What army can be raised in order to fight against something like that? If it's this big, there is not enough firepower to destroy it. Well, through either sheer luck or very poor engineering on our part, it appears that it has been destroyed. By who? 
by the merry band of rebels that is apparently being led by Alderaan's own Princess Leia Organa. Or perhaps it wasn't them, perhaps it did destroy itself. Either way, we know that it can no longer be in operation. Otherwise, why would the Empire be claiming that Alderaan destroyed itself and not bragging that they had a weapon that could bring all of the rebellion under heel. Something happened to their weapon, and because of that, we cannot prove what they did to Alderaan except, and he points his finger once again at the telemetry, at the exact moment that a single dot in the center of the projection disappears. This explains what we need to know, and we can bring it forth as proof of the treachery of the Empire. Castian considers for a second or two before leaning back. I warned the Rebellion. I told them that there was something out there. You read my record. It, I'm sure, was brief in many places. Said I was an agent for the ISB, and in a way I was, though is a little bit more complicated than that. I was the type that was asked to retrieve information, uh, find individuals. I was contacted a few years ago by a Grand Admiral who was looking for data on missing Dunium. A large amount was being mined, but it was not being used. It was being transferred, and I assumed that they were making a secret fleet of some sort, but he was not aware. I was supposed to find its location and, well, let's just say I failed spectacularly. And that is why I'm here. I ran and, uh, Dunium. Whatever they made, it required enough Dunium to strip not just an asteroid field, but multiple fields, planets, anywhere they could find it. Another interesting piece of the puzzle falls into place. Now, Tand is on her way to take this information to wherever the princess is hiding with her merry band of rebels. However, the princess is incapable of dealing with this in the only language that the Empire understands. Force. And that is where you and your very particular set of skills comes into play, Castian. Those rebels may be clever, but they will never have the knowledge and skill of an elite battalion of stormtroopers driven by a unified cause, especially an elite battalion with someone like you in their ranks. Castian leans back very slowly in his chair and crosses his arms over his chest and just stares at the man. And again, they lock into that stare, each evaluating every mannerism that the other has. And then finally Castian says, You know, it's interesting. When it was revealed that Leia Organa was still alive, I think that was the moment that every noble decided to flee the Empire. A few of them before that were willing to just 
stay in their little gilded cage. Yet, you don't seem so excited that Leia... I'm sorry. Queen Organa, is it? Princess. Princess. You don't seem so excited that she's alive. You misinterpret me entirely. I am so glad that she survived. She is a child. No one wants to see a child die. Enough children perished in the destruction of Alderaan. Any soul that survived is a gift. And especially the princess. She is a light in the darkness. But she is a child. She can be a figurehead. She can be a rallying cry. But she is not a leader of men. And you are? I am. Really a captain who served, according to my pilot, who was able to dig up some information the last couple years in a very cushy job on Corellia. Not exactly the beaming commendations of a man who could lead an elite battalion of stormtroopers against the forces of the Empire itself. How recent are the databases that your captain can access? Castian looks to the side as if trying to calculate in his head and he says, A couple years? Two? A lot can happen in that amount of time for someone who is ambitious. Then tell me, Captain Nabarro, how ambitious have you been in the Empire? I have been places. I have seen things. I have worked under men who I could tell you stories of that would turn your hair white. The Empire is doing great Things for the galaxy. They have made a terrible miscalculation in this case. So you're not part of the little rebellion, it sounds like. You like the Empire, you just don't like that they blew up your little home. Killed your family. That this was the miscalculation, not every other planet that they ever destroyed. The galaxy is in chaos. It needs order. That is what we are bringing. There are obviously members of leadership that do not know the best way to bring about order. They have made a grave mistake in making an enemy of the Alderanian people. Like the Emperor. Like the Grand Moffs. Anyone who allowed for Alderaan to be destroyed, you feel that they are no longer best suited to move the galaxy forward. They've disbanded the Imperial Senate, the only check that there was in our system. The Emperor seeks to use force to bring order to the galaxy. And there is a time and a place for it, and I will gladly be on the front lines at that time. But there are needs for other voices to be heard. That is why... With our princess being the figurehead and attempting to use her diplomacy skills and tea time and dress up, there is a place for her. And we are glad to see her take her seat in the Senate to serve as her father did so boldly and honorably. 
but that is just one part, and we will not get back there if they do not understand the gravity of the mistake they have made. So, you're rebels until you're not. We are not rebels. The rebels seek to bring down the Empire and replace it with an old and outdated method of ruling that was proven to fall apart. That was proven to be weak and corrupted. We prefer to see ourselves as regents until the princess can come of age and take her place as queen and lead the Alderanian people wherever we are able to settle once more. But, as I said, she is a child and requires guidance until she can see the path forward. That it is arm in arm with the Imperial Senate, not to overthrow it. Castanian takes what he says and slowly just nods along as he looks down at his own hands. And then he says, And you think I'm key to this little regent operation of yours? I assure you what happened on Alderaan is devastating. I lost someone very important to me there. But I'm not an Alderaanian. I am glad that Leia's alive. She seemed like a nice lady when I met her. But Alderaan is no more home to me than Coruscant or a number of other places I've been. It's not an atrocity to me. It's a tragedy. So I don't see how exactly I'm important to your little operation. I know what you are, Castian. And what am I? Let's stop playing spycraft and just throw the chips on the table. And Captain Nabarro holds his hands up again. I mean you no harm. You keep saying that. May I tell you a story for a moment? I promise it has a point related to your demands. Then fine. I'll give you the story as long as it has a point. But realize that I have many points that I'm willing to share with you as well. He smirks. I come from a long line of soldiers. Long line of men with distinguished military careers. But perhaps you would be surprised to hear that my father served with the Separatists. He fought against the Old Republic. And my father, who saw many hours of combat on the field, would tell me war stories growing up. And he would tell me stories of the warriors that he would face. Warriors who could use magic powers and laser swords against their enemies, cutting through enemy forces without a care in the world. Completely amoral men and women who felt nothing, who had no sense of compassion, who only blindly followed orders. Now I know that you are not exactly like the boogeymen that my father told me about. The Jedi. I don't know how to define you, but I know that you are related to them. And I know that you had your secret work at the ISB. And I certainly do not pretend to know the reality of what that service was. 
But as I said, soldiers talk, and they like to scare each other with stories of red blades in the dark. There is a deep silence that follows that. And as the silence sinks in, Captain Nabarro leans back in his chair, kind of steeples his fingers in front of him, relaxed. He's laid his chips on the table. He's waiting to see what you have to say. Upon defeating the Separatist and destroying the Jedi Rebellion that followed, this magic that you spoke of, the Force, as you might know of it now, didn't go away. There were still some who were born with the gift. As you said, the Empire created order, and in that order, they found a place for me and my kind. Though I stopped believing that long ago. The Emperor, the Grand Moffs, the Inquisitorious, they are just corruption. They expect us to allow for slavery, to build our machines and to mine our fields. They expect you to do their work for them so that it would avoid the blood on their hands so it can stain your own. I... I don't know if I'm a Jedi, but I am not what they made me. The Empire. I am not a weapon to be used. I don't know what I am, but I can tell you one thing. You're right. No one has yet to define me. Let me take a guess at you. Please. Not many people knew of Red Blades in the Dark. Yes, occasionally a soldier would see something and we wouldn't detect it. But you gathered information quite well. You were able to create a little rebellion, oh I'm so sorry, regency, in a matter of ten days. You were able to find those hurt and angered by what happened, but not just find it, you were able to forge it. You're not just a captain of the Imperial Army, are you? Nor are you just a marine, a stormtrooper captain. No, you're smart. You're perceptive. I would say... ISB? Captain Nabarro gives you a slight smirk and tilt of his head. Then you can see how alike we truly are. We have both served in the dark, in the shadows... We have both become disillusioned with some aspect of that. You have fallen farther than me, but it is certainly not something that I am going to report to anybody, is it? Like I said, I know that you are the missing key to our plan. And now that you are here, we can unlock it. And your plan, if I understand it is to rid the galaxy of the Emperor and the Moth Council and rely solely on the Senate as leadership. When you boil it down, correct. I take it the Rebellion does not know that much, or are they just willing to be bedfellows while you both have the same goal in mind? You seem to be under the impression that the Rebellion is a unified and organized force. That could not be farther from the truth. 
The group that Leia is currently, quote, leading, certainly has a lot of momentum behind it. As I said, the princess is beloved on Alderaan. She is young and charismatic. Of course, she can inspire people to follow her. And she does have friends in high places, sympathetic friends. But there are others who bomb innocents, killing women and children in the name of their so-called higher cause. There are those who would align themselves with pirates, attacking shipments of goods, regardless of whether they are intended for military or civilian use. There is no black and white in this war. Captain Nabarro. Long time ago, I realized that this fight, this galaxy, was better off without the aid of Castian, Zaya. You look at me as I am a key to this. It's not. You are the key. If you want to rebuild this empire, I'm not going to stop you. I think it's impossible. But it's better not to have the likes of me serving with you. There is no purity test for joining my forces. I could not care less whether you agree with the righteousness of my cause. So if you will not do it for that reason, would you do it for vengeance? Castian's jaw tightens at that word as if it was like a snake ready to bite him. And he definitely feels that that hollow part of him Phil. Vengeance. With us, you would be able to strike back at the Empire for their betrayal. Fine. Castian takes a moment before just shaking his head. I am not doing it for vengeance. But what happened to Cerise? It deserves... It deserves a reaction. It deserves justice. I will assist for now in order to give her justice. But I need you to know, Captain Nabarro, I will not let you go beyond that task. I will get justice. Is that understood? Clearly. Now we have a small window in which to act in order to enact our greater plan. We need to retrieve some schematics from a secret Imperial base that is currently undergoing some restructuring after receiving some very contradictory information from Grand Moff Tarkin. Tarkin? Apparently, a few weeks ago, Tarkin told the base to evacuate quickly, and then almost as quickly rescinded the order. So, there is currently quite a bit of traffic, both of ships and of people, going in and out, trying to reassemble the base. On Dantooine. Dantooine. I've never heard of it. Well, that's why it is a secret base, is it not? How big is the base? It is substantial, but we know our way around it. And again, we have confidence that we can move in easily 
amongst the chaos. All right. And what are you looking for? You said schematics. This base is a research facility. It is where the best and brightest minds of the Empire work together in the name of scientific advancement. Because we are not like certain aspects of the Rebellion, we have no interest in destroying this base and attacking its people. We just want to get copies of the schematics of things like experimental hyperdrives, things that could serve as tools as we need to make our decisive strike. So it's basically go in and grab whatever we can find and sort it out later. Yes. And you expect me to slip in by myself? I assure you, I might have the laser sword and magic, but I don't make miracles happen. I do have some trusted troops that I can send with you if you wish. And they will listen to my commands? If I tell them to. All right. Castian leans forward. I will get you these schematics. I will help you with your regency. But I will not stay. I am not a soldier. This is me balancing the scales. Once I have completed this, I will see that this is my contribution to justice, and you will deliver it. And then I am gone far away from this war. Do you understand me? Perfectly. My part in your little regency will be brief, but it will be effective. And then Castian is going to walk away, and he shouts over his shoulder. We should be leaving hyperspace in the next hour or so. Be ready. I always am. And then Castian's going to head into the cockpit and have a conversation with Laris. He's just going to explain everything he has been told. He's not leaving anything out. Are you sure this is wise to trust him, sir? I don't trust him. But what happened on Alderaan deserves a response, and he is right bigger than a response that Leia and her little rebellion could deliver. Laris tilts her head as you refer to it as a little rebellion, but doesn't say anything. However, I understand if you do not want to get into this fight. I would like you to serve as my pilot until this is all over, but if you need to just escape and recover, I, I understand. I will always be at your side, sir. Castian offers a tired smile before mumbling. Oh, that seems like a rather poor curse, but I will, I will accept that it's bestowed on you. Thank you, Laris. We will be at the rendezvous coordinates within the hour. Are we going to be taking on new companions? I suppose we might. I'll make sure to keep it minimum. Two, three at tops. Then I will alert you when we are about to arrive. Thank you. And in less than an hour, Laris gives you the notice that you are dropping out of hyperspace. I make sure to be on the cockpit when that happens. Would you allow Captain Nabarro to be here as well, or is he still restricted to the galley? Castian would want him up here just in case there's an emergency, though he is making sure he's sitting behind the captain with his hand close enough to his lightsaber in case this is a horrific trap. The Howling Gundark drops out of hyperspace into a completely dead sector of the galaxy. The black is complete and oppressive. There are no stars to be seen. There are no planets, no comets. It is just empty blackness. Wow. 
Are we in some sort of nebula? Laris shakes her head. No, it is merely a dead sector. Definitely would drive a man crazy, which, by the way, I heard is a rumor about these places. We will not be here long, Captain Navarro assures you. And within a second, the troop transport drops out of hyperspace within your sight. All right. If I may, Captain, he says to Laris, I would like to introduce Castian to some of my most trusted troops to engage in the next part of this mission. I look towards Laris and then nod my head. Fine, we will link up our ships, and you will bring them on board here. Is that understood? It is. Okay, Laris, if you'd be so kind. Laris communicates with the pilot of the troop transport to arrange for the two ships to dock. Castian leads Captain Navarro towards where the hatch is located for the docking procedures, but hesitates for a second when he realizes it's in the cargo bay. However, after just a brief hesitation, he opens it up and they move together. I'm sure Captain Navarro is glancing towards the covered-up remains of the TIE fighter. It has a giant tarp over it. Might have some questions, but for now, Castian is not offering any answers. For reasons, I'm giving you a light side point. I'll accept it. Standing on the other side of the hatch are two stormtroopers. Helmets off, but still in their armor. As the docking procedure completes, with a hiss, both hatches open. Castian lets Navarro step forward and just remains behind the man. Again, his arms are crossed over his chest, but one hand is definitely dangling within reach of his lightsaber. The two troopers salute their captain. One is a man with broad shoulders and pale skin. He has unruly red hair that is barely constrained in braids. The other is a woman who seems a little short for a stormtrooper. She has olive skin and narrow eyes that make her look like she's very suspicious, but also you're pretty sure that's just her natural look. It's not something unique to this situation. Captain, I would love the introductions. Of course, these are two of my finest troops. He points to the man, Larrabee and Pips. Pips. The woman nods. Pips. I think the, uh, Size gives it away. Well, Captain, have they been briefed on what you're hoping for us to complete? They have. All right. Well, Captain, I suppose this is where I drop you off. The captain of the ship has decided to assist us with getting to Dantooine and hopefully off of it. I suppose this is where we uh, part ways. For now. And Captain Nabarro holds out his hand to you. Castian reaches out and... While on Coruscant, it's very common to grab the person's hand and shake. It's a squeeze and a shake. That's also how it is on Corellia. But on Alderaan, Castian knows, he was taught this by Cerise Nabella, that you grab the wrist. And that's what Castian does. He reaches out and grabs the man's wrist and shakes. And Captain Nabarro looks surprised for just the most fleeting moment. But he reciprocates. And as you grab his wrist, you can tell that he has some sort of armor around his forearm under his shirt. Castian ignores it for now. 
That's information that is being filed away, but not important to the mission at hand. And it releases the man's wrist, and then nods towards the two troopers. All right. There is a room at the very end of the ship. It has a red door on it. Please feel free to take it. It has a few bunks. I ask that you do not go in the cargo bay without my permission or the captain's permission. And, uh, well, if you're hungry, there's a galley. Captain, I will leave you to your troopers. And I, uh, hope they find the accommodations to be to their liking. And behind you, you hear a familiar skittering. Sir, shall I show our new companions to their quarters? At the sound of Skitter's voice, the woman, Pips, raises her rifle with incredible speed. Sir? Oh, I like her. I like her very. Pip, yes. Uh, that's a very common reaction, but no, no, do not shoot it just yet. It's, it's here to help. Skitter, make sure these individuals are brought to the guest quarters. Of course, sir, I shall keep my eye on them. Please do that. And he looks towards the two troopers. I must reiterate, do not shoot it at all. Of course, the man says. <laughs> Don't act like it's going to be easy, Castian says as he walks away, leaving the captain with his two soldiers briefly. What they might not realize is Castian knows that Laris has some listening devices throughout this entire ship. So he's acting like he's leaving them to have a private moment, but... Once he's gone, he's definitely going to try to see what they were whispering about or talking about. And Castian is just heading to the cockpit and waiting for whenever their ship disengages from the Howling Gundark. Are you actively monitoring the conversation, or is it something you're going to come back to later? You know what? I'm going to actively listen in on the conversation. It is a very standard military conversation as the captain orders the two troopers to follow your command as they would his. He wishes them luck and says that he'll see them after the successful completion of the mission. And a few minutes later, the troop transport disengages. All right, Laris. Coordinates are laid in for Dantooine. Wait for any communications to be sent our way from their ship. That's going to give us the best way through their security in order to get on the planet. Received. All right. Well, Eris, let's head to Dantooine. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Fandible Solo Shot, Star Wars Force and Destiny podcast. You can now find all episodes on the Fandible Solo Shot podcast feed on iTunes and all other podcasting platforms. Please subscribe and leave us a review to help new listeners find us for their Star Wars actual play fix. You can also find us on Twitter at Solo Shot Podcast. And if you enjoy the stories we tell here and on the rest of the Fandible Podcast Network, consider donating to our Patreon at patreon.com fandible. Thanks again, and may the Force be with you always. Hello. And welcome to the other place. The land of Fenrain has been on the brink of doom for years. Necromancers and the dead are rising on the edges of society, threatening life and peace across the land. Deep in the shadows, others try to unearth secret knowledge and unspeakable power. In Season 2, we follow Roberto, Talana, and Teco as they journey from Gilder, fighting the dead on a mission to stop a powerful evil. So he's just lunging at the first one there. He pulls out the weapon, gets it in both hands, rushes at the first thing, and then kind of leap, jump, stabs it. That way it can't get a chance to dodge out of the way. And he goes, freeze frame! And 
like ice crystals just form over the undead creature and Takoa like twist his trident in it and it just shatters. So I come charging in. I have this great axe. So I use both my hands and I take it over my head and I chop it down screaming, die thing. Technically it's already undead. <laughs> and as it smashes into his uh, blade, it's going to bounce off and make sparks on the ground. Whoa. He puffs up his big rabbit cheeks and blows through his teeth and he gets his loot and brings it down to the, the chair right up to it and he starts playing and he starts going back into his mind. He wants to go into the other side, he wants to go where his ancestors are. The notes from the loot echo back and Tekoa hears them taking on a different sort of resonance. Little crystals of ice and frost begin to form around Roberto's feet. When Roberto opens his eyes, the river stretches out on all sides. Wow, it never seems to not amaze me every time I come here. Join us for the newest season of The Other Place, wherever you get your podcasts.